My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 70. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. You can, in fact, sell a car to a person that you've never met, who has never driven the car or seen the car in person, and all that they have to go by is, well, are a lot of pictures, a couple videos, uh, some kind words that were written out and explained on the website, and uh, they'll wire $60,000 to your bank account, and it's all based on trust. What does it take for you to trust somebody that much? You probably wouldn't even trust me that much, but this guy did. Uh, thank you, bringatrailer.com. That is probably number, uh, approaching 35 cars sold on that website. Doesn't sound like a lot of cars, but that's a lot of vintage cars. And I've sold probably, a, I would say, at least 50 other cars because of the exposure that I got on bringatrailer.com. So I'm very grateful that there's such a place where you can actually sell cars online. Now, it's not like you know a lot of people don't do that already. I mean, there are several different companies, Carvana, Carvana being one of them, uh, Vroom. You know, they sell a lot of used cars online. But is it safer to buy a late model used car online from Carvana or Carvana? I got to decide which way I'm going to say that. I think it's Carvana. Okay, it's settled. That's what I'm going with. So let's talk about buying a car online without ever seeing it or driving it. Is that wise to have it delivered to your house? Well, they do have a money back guarantee, but man, you wouldn't believe the hoops you have to go through to be able to execute that money back guarantee. And you just don't know what you're getting when you when you're buying a used car. Do you smoke? I don't smoke, never have, and I don't like to ride in a car that smells like smoke. No offense to smokers, but you would probably not like it either if you hadn't smoked in 20 years and all of a sudden you get in a car uh, that somebody smokes in. It's not pleasant. And so if I bought a car that had been smoked in, I would know it the second I got in it. And I would say, maybe you get used to that. I don't know. But what if... What if they've had dogs in the car a lot? You know, I love dogs, but I don't want to smell your dogs in my car. Sorry. Uh, what if it's been wet? What if it's been wet dogs? But if it has been wet, uh, you get that mildew, and, and they never really sucked the moisture out of the carpet or took the carpet all the way out, which is really the only way to do it, and get rid of that insulation that's underneath the carpet and put new insulation in, and then it won't get all musty smelling. But what if you buy a car that smells like that? Do you care? I mean, just because you run a Carfax report, that shouldn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy. What if the car came from New York or Michigan originally? Do you not think that matters? Well, it may not matter right now, but about a year or two from now, when it starts rusting out over the wheel wells, it's going to matter. Oh, and people will just, they'll just brag. Oh, I just got such a great deal and they delivered it to my house and it was just wonderful. So easy. Didn't have to deal with those rotten car dealers. Well, you know, those rotten car dealers are really not rotten. Most of them aren't. And they acquire most of their trade-ins locally. But they do go to auctions. But you know what they do when they go to auctions? They do everything they can with all of their knowledge and experience to avoid buying a problem car. 
to avoid buying a car that has bad history. So that car has been vetted, so to speak, by the time it hits the lot. It's also been reconditioned to a high level. What does that mean? It means that the car has been well cleaned, well serviced, especially if it's been certified. You know, if it's been certified, it comes with additional warranty. And, you know, you might have roadside assistance and other things that make buying a, certi- a certified car make sense. But it, you're so much safer when you buy a used car from a new car dealer, whether it came from the auction or whether it was a local trade-in. Now, another thing that I want to talk about is long-term ownership, especially when it comes to vintage cars. I made a comment on Bring a Trailer, which is one of the things I like about that website, is you can look at a car and you can make comments about the car to help uh, other people decide whether or not they should spend money on it. That's one of the reasons the website, or why uh, people are willing to send $60,000 to a total stranger to buy a 55 T-Bird. It's because a lot of people chime in and, and give their opinions on the car, and a lot of them are experts. And that's what happened with this car. I mean, the average 55 T-Bird is going to bring in the high 20s to low 30s. This car brought 59000 Why? Well, because it was better. Because it, you could see it in the pictures. I take very high-quality pictures. Had close to 200 pictures. How can you take 200 pictures of a car, Lenny, well, you do that because you take pictures of the door jams, the the hinges, the inside of the trunk, the trunk with the trunk mat out of it. Of course, back in the old days, you could do that, take it out. The spare tire, all just a bunch of different pictures of the interior underneath the dash. They want to see how the wiring looks underneath there. So you do all of that, and then you tell the story. Like when I first put the car on Bring a Trailer, I hit it. I'm the first commenter. I hit it with the all the backstory that the writers for Bring a Trailer would not put into the, um, the basic story about the car. See, they write a story based on the information that you provide, and then you have the opportunity to go in and clarify things. I try to uh, answer a whole lot of questions before they're even asked, and I found that the cars that I put on Bring a Trailer will bring more money if I'm up, up front. And they perceive me to be an honest guy. Of course, I've sold so many cars there now that that people feel comfortable bidding on my cars. Because just about everybody, if they get really serious about buying a car from you, that's why I put my name, I put Lenny Lawson as my username. Most people don't. They put like, you know, some series of letters and numbers and stuff like that. I put Lenny Lawson up there because I want them to Google Lenny Lawson from Greenville, Tennessee, because if they do, they're not going to see too much bad. No, they're going to see good stuff, you know, because um, I want them to know who they're buying the car from. It also gives most of them more comfort to know that they're buying it from a guy who owns a new car dealership as opposed to an individual. Oh, what I wanted to talk about was long-term ownership. Okay. So I think it's a misnomer for to somebody to assume that just because somebody's owned a car for a long time, like they've owned it for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, that that's a good thing. Because what I've found is that most people do not maintain their cars, and especially their old cars. Their cars end up being in a garage covered with boxes, never driven. You know, all of the seals and the gaskets dry out. And then they finally pulled it out of the garage to sell it. They, they get somebody to fire it up. 
and everything's fine for a very short period of time. And then somebody buys it, the car gets shipped to them, they get it out, and it starts pouring oil. Uh, The transmission fluid starts coming out. And the reason for that is because the gaskets and the seals are just, they, they dry out and they're old. And they'll hold up for just a few days until it gets really hot. And then it's like a geyser. That happened with this uh, Lincoln Continental that I bought. It's a 1948 Lincoln Continental. And I drove it around, just fell in love with the car. It's beautiful. It's a convertible. It's got a V12 engine, big old monster steering wheel, a big bench seat in the front and back. It's just gorgeous from about 25 feet away. The closer you get, you see that the paint's real cracked and stuff like that. But still... Drove it around, everything's fine. Wasn't just barely dripping oil until I put about 30 miles on it. So I put it 30 miles on it, pulled it in the shop, and left it there. The next morning I go there and look underneath it, and there is a puddle that looks like Douglas Lake underneath it. It's a big lake. And uh, so one of the gaskets have failed. Well, guess what I get to do or pay somebody to do? Pull the engine because you, it, it's probably the rear main oil seal in the very back of the engine. And with a car that has a, a boxed-in frame like this, you can't just drop the transmission and have access to the rear main oil seal. Got to pull that big V12 out. That's not going to be cheap. But that's, you know, that's one of the costs of, of uh, buying an old car. And so you know, you've got to understand that. You've got to know what game you're getting into before you get into it. And that's why long-term ownership is just, it's overrated. Uh, I would rather have a car that's driven all the time. That way the gaskets don't dry out. They stay moisturized. And the car performs better. And, and you know, short-term ownership is fine for me. Because typically a, a dealer that trades for or buys something or trades for something like that, they're going to check it out. They're going to fix all the defects before I get it. That's what I want. That's what you should want. Okay, I'll take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. I've got some land for sale. Does anybody want any land? No, I I bought this tract of land that I had been looking to buy for many years. When I first bought where my house is, I bought 10 and a half acres. And then probably 10 years later, uh, there's 25 acres become available right up against my property, and they decide to have an auction. Oh, boy. So I knew that if I didn't buy it, that somebody could buy it and build a subdivision there and no telling what kind of subdivision or trailer park or whatever. So I had to buy it. So I did. I ended up uh, selling half of it and did really well. I developed my own little subdivision, even built a bridge over a creek. That was an experience. But that worked out pretty well, and I ended up with, I guess, about 30 acres. So I've got this 30-acre yard. No, no cows, just fences and pasture and stuff like that. Now it's a forest because I let in the pasture I let all of the wild cherry trees grow, and I've got some monsters out there, at least 30, some close to 40 feet tall. So it's been a while. So anyway, long story short, another 40 acres right beside me had been haunting me because I just knew that somebody was going to buy it and block my view. Well, I approached the guy, and we kind of negotiated. It didn't kind of. I mean, I made him an offer, and he accepted it. Well, I didn't hear from him for about a week, and finally I was able to get him, and he said, nah, I'm not going to do that. 
Well, that broke my heart. I said, well, at least before you sell it to anybody else, will you give me first right of refusal? He said, sure. So 10 years elapsed, and I call a real estate agent, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm afraid to even approach this guy again. Would you approach him and tell him you have a prospect to buy his property? She did, and he wanted to sell, and he gave her a price. It was the same price that I had offered him years earlier, and she sent him an offer or sent him a contract, sent me a contract, I signed it. And so I bought another 40 acres. So then I said, I don't need another 40 acres. It's all in the city limits. So I said, okay, I need your help to help me sell this. I don't know what this property's worth. I don't need I know it's worth more than what I paid for it. And she agreed with that. She agreed with that before we even made the offer. So I just got out my little iPad and this little app that I have called Notability. It lets you draw on it. And I, and I took a overhead shot from Google Maps of the property. And then I just started drawing, you know, how I would divide that property up. And I showed it to her, and she said, well, that looks good to me. So I submitted it to a, uh, our, what do you call them, a surveying company. And they came out and surveyed it and laid it all out for me. And so then we put it on the market through my expert lady, and she told me how to price it. We did. More than doubled my money on most of the property. Um, I didn't know what the property was worth. I didn't know it was worth that much. And ever since then, it's continued to go up. And so I had one more six-acre tract that I was going to sell, which is for sale right now. And I said, what should we ask for it? And she told me, and it stunned me. Within three days, she had an offer. I would have accepted that offer if the guy didn't insist on a 45-day feasibility study. Feasibility study? What's that? And basically, the feasibility study said on the contract that he had 45 days to look it over, and if he didn't like it for any reason, if it wasn't feasible, then he could back out. Well, I'm not going to take the property off the market for 45 days. Imagine if you could go to a car dealership and buy a car and say, hey, um, I want to drive this thing around for a while, and uh, I want to see if it's feasible for me to own it. And if I don't like it, I'll bring it back. Okay, whatever you want to do. No, that ain't going to happen. And I wasn't going to let him do a feasibility study. So since then, I've had zero offers. And she said, well, the market has changed some, you know, interest rates and stuff like that. So, okay, well, what should we ask for the property? She told me we cut the price. Within a few days, we got another offer. Now, I don't know whether what I'm going to do with that offer. It's significantly less than I was asking for the property. But, you know, I don't really need the property. And I kind of like riding my four-wheeler around it. But, you know, this is why you have to use the advice of experts. You know, what you feel about something, as far as value is concerned, has no relevance to reality. You know, what something is worth is what some other person is willing to pay for it. Now, you can ask the moon for something. If you've got a car that that you really like and... You know, you um, it's been a great car, but you don't want to trade it in. You want to just sell it. You want to put it out in your front yard. What are you going to ask for it? Well, you've got to check around. You've got to see what the competition is for that. Because if you ask too much, you're not going to get any information. I don't care if you put it on Facebook Marketplace or Auto Trader or wherever. Uh, you're not going to get much play because you're asking too much money. We see that all the time. With our vehicles that we trade for, we've had, you know, occasionally we'll trade for a vehicle and we'll just think it's the best thing in the world and we'll price it out there. You know, we, we always start a little bit higher than we're, than, 
um, what some of the market is, and then we'll just slow to bring it down until somebody sends us a lead and says they want to buy it. Sometimes they, I, I can't tell you how many times we put a car on the internet and boom, you know, within two hours or two minutes, even in some cases, somebody will call about that car. It's like they're just sitting at their computer just waiting to click it, you know, waiting for something to, to pop up that they want. But, you know, you have to consult the experts. And when it comes to cars, most people are not experts. When it comes to land, I'm not an expert. So I have to go by the experts. Before I bought this property, I even checked with the sewer department, uh, water department. I want to know how, if somebody buys this big track in the middle of my property, how are they going to get electricity? You know, I found that uh, in the very middle of the property that where this six-acre track was, to get water, sewer, electricity, I think that's all of them, it was going to cost about twenty-five dollars to $30,000 just to get those things to the property. And then they got to pave their driveway. The driveway is a good 1,000 feet long. That's not cheap. So, you know, you have to do the research before you jump into something. And I did, and it turned out really well. So now... Let's see, I got up to 30 acres. Now I'm about, my final number is probably going to be 45 acres. And that's plenty for me to run around with my grandchildren on, maintain my mountain views. And uh, since I do live in Tennessee and in Greenville, Tennessee, I can afford the property taxes and I can afford to live here. Can you imagine this much land near Nashville, Tennessee? or Atlanta, or in some of these really crazy markets, and it's going up. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of My Land Guru. Now, the analogy there, hopefully you're picking up the uh, message here, is that consult the experts when it comes to values, because you don't know everything you probably need to know. And just doing a casual search or or driving into a dealership unprepared, it's just going to cost you money. You have to be able to uh, walk in to a dealership armed, not with a weapon, but with the information that you need to maximize your savings on the new vehicle that you're looking at and get the maximum dollar amount for the vehicle that you're trading in. Finally, please maintain your car. Please change the oil. You know, do the things that you need to do to maintain your car. Get a front end alignment once a year. Keep your tires from wearing out. You know, do the things that you need to do to preserve the value. Keep it washed. Your car is an asset. And yes, it's going to depreciate under most market conditions. Over the last two years, it's probably gone up in value. But right now, used car prices are falling. And sales are softening, according to the experts. Wholesale used vehicle prices reached their lowest level of the year in May. According to, let's see, Cox Automotive, they reported a 2.7% decline from April to May on the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index. Mannheim is the largest auction company in the world, and Cox Automotive owns them, and they track values of used cars, and and the curve has started its downward trend. So, but if you're not maintaining your vehicle, it makes it even worse. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here, and I'm going to answer this phone call. See, that's live radio. When you uh, get a phone call, the listeners hear it. That happened to be my wife. 
she said that uh, I'm supposed to stop and get milk. Yep. Love that milk. You ever had that fair, what is it called? Fair life milk? That is good stuff. And it's only like $5 for a half gallon. I used to love Weigel's when you could buy a, uh, Weigel's is a, I guess, a market around here in East Tennessee. And I think they owned their own dairy at one time, but they were selling milk not too many years ago for $2.49 a gallon. So I'm really getting a great deal. So don't consult me when you're trying to decide how much to pay for milk, because I'm a bad judge. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will see you uh, Monday.